Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, Episode 19. And welcome to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We put this show together to inspire you and help you break through to the life that you want to live through the power of real estate investing. My name is Rob Brake, and here with me again is Sandy McKay. How are you, Sandy? I'm great. Little raspy voice today. Uh, we'll get through it, though. I think I'm definitely. This really is going to be a breaking through type of episode, I think, because it's a lot of great stuff for for someone starting out. I think. Yeah, absolutely. It was a great episode with our guest, Sean Howe, and that mm-hmm. interview is coming up very shortly. Mm-hmm. And as always, we want to encourage everyone to head on over to our website, BreakthroughREIPodcast.ca, and pick up our free report there, Seven Freedom Activators You Can Trigger in Your Property Starting Right Now. A lot of really valuable free information there for you uh, to help you really move forward and manage your property better, make your properties earn you the most money that you can so we just added it up and right like as of the moment that we're recording this show right now uh, our show has over 10,000 downloads so we want to encourage every single one of those people to go over and rate and review the show on iTunes and let us know what you think about it write a little review so that we know what we're doing right what we're doing wrong what you like what you don't like if Sandy's voice irritates you, or if it's just because it's scratchy today, it might today. <laughs> anything, whatever you want to say about it, though, we'll put it up there and we'll read it on the show. And just uh, head on over there and tell us what you think. Okay, so Sandy, again, we're going to talk a little bit about that property that you're working on in Barrie right now. And you want to let us in, uh, get us up to speed on where it's at? Uh, yeah, sure. So just, I guess. Briefly, the uh, reason we're going to talk about it is just to, to show the listeners what kind of deals might be out there. Really just a cool way to structure a deal, I think, because this deal we found actually through one of our websites for <clears throat> finding motivated sellers, which is what we're going to talk about with Sean on this uh, interview coming up. And this seller came to us through, our, like I said, our website. They're looking to get out of their house fast, <clears throat> and they were... They owned the property actually free and clear. They needed a lot of work. It would not show very well to any potential buyers out there. And yeah, he, he just wanted to sell it. He, he was sick of it. They wanted to move to Ottawa as quick as they couldn't get out of it before the end of the year last year. We saw it. We saw the lead come in. We called, called them right away. Went out there the next uh, couple days later. And, you know, we put the offer in front of them right there, right then and there. So was it listed when he contacted you? No. Oh, okay. No, no. It wasn't. You know, it was a funny thing with this one. <clears throat> he had quotes on things that needed to get fixed in this place. Mm-hmm. So we had quotes on the roof, quotes on the furnace, quotes on on uh, 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 electrical and, and some other things. And, and I, I mean, the numbers were a bit high <laughs> on the quotes, I think. And that definitely helped us in negotiating our price. Uh, because we're, you know, he figured that's what they costed, and 
it wasn't too far off, but it definitely helped us negotiate a lower price with them. We told we didn't just tell them what we were going to offer them. We put pen to paper right then and there. We signed it. We put it in front of them and said, "Look, take it or leave it right now. Uh, we're coming from Hamilton. We're not going to drive out here again. You know, this is the offer. If you don't like it, then you know that's okay. We'll just be on our way, and then you'll have to find someone else." And uh, you know, he was able to 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 take it. And we closed uh, about a month later, uh, just before Christmas. It's going to be a great deal. It's going to be a buy, fix, refinance, and rent deal. Uh, it's just a single-family house. We're gonna, we bought it. We're going to fix it up. Got a six-month open mortgage on it with our partner. We're going to refinance after about two months after the renovations. It's crazy to say maybe, but we're going to pull out pretty much everything that we put into it. We're going to basically be into this place for almost nothing after spending the money on the the down payment and the renovations. We're going to pretty much pull all of that out. That's good. And, it sounds very similar to what we did at the last deal that you and I did together. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty much the same. Uh, we won't cash flow quite as well on this one just because it's a single family, but we'll, we'll cash flow uh, a little bit. Hold on to it. We're in it for pretty much nothing, and we're paying down, the, having our mortgage paid down, and making a little bit on top. You know, with any luck, there'll be a bit of appreciation there too. So right now, where are you at? We've got the uh, roof done. We've got our contractors just starting on some renovations there this week. So just at the early phase, we're expecting to be done within two months. Okay, right on. So you got a general contractor, right? Because that's just too far away for you guys to manage right oh yeah so so we went we went out we've been out there twice since closing we went out there to get a few people through contractors through actually what we did is we had we had negotiated in three revisits to the property before closing so we had that in our uh, in our deal so we went out there about a week before it closed and we had three contractors go through with us price it out a bit and and we had got a, a couple of referrals from some other investors on people to use. You know, we were comfortable just getting the three contractors through. And uh, we decided on one of them, giving him pretty much full reins on the place. <laughs> and, uh, and and we also had to go through with some electric, electricians because they were separate. So we're going to basically be leaning on the one general contractor just to do most of it. And we're only going to really go out there maybe once or twice in the next couple months if everything goes well. Okay, nice. Well, that's good. It'll be pretty hands-off. <clears throat> sometimes that's the way to go, right? Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got recommendations for those general contractors, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's we... the that's the great thing about knowing some other investors and stuff is, you know, you, you know people in different markets, right? So we know a few people that do a lot of business in Barry. You know, we trust their opinions, so they were able to give us. Um, they gave us one really good contact that we used, and then we there was one guy we just kind of, you know, hired off of or not hired, but got him to quote on it just through. I think it was just through KGG that we found him. You know, and that can be reliable or maybe not. This one, he, he wasn't exactly who we were looking for, but you never know. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're going to keep us up to date as we go along. Yeah, it'll be really good. Maybe in a couple episodes we'll have it all done and rinsed out and uh, and maybe we can do a little recap on it. Yeah, for those of you, I'm sure everyone's noticed that we went from two episodes a month down to one. We just 
both of us have gotten really busy, but we do enjoy bringing the show to everyone. So we're going to keep doing that, but on a, on a monthly schedule from now on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're committing to do it once a month on the 15th, right? Yep. Okay. That's our commitment for 2015. Yeah. I, I, I'm sticking to it because I, I love doing this. Oh, it's awesome, right? It's just a, it is tough to, to squeeze in sometimes. It's, it's great, though. I think it's, it's a great thing to do. So I want to talk for a minute about the unique opportunities in the city of Oshawa right now. I know most investors would agree that one of the best ways to create lift, like a value lift in an investment property, is to add a second suite, making it a duplex out of a single-family home. Right, Sandy? Oh, yeah. So this past year, the city of Oshawa passed Bill 140, making it a lot easier to get legal status for houses that already have existing basement suites or, or second suites in the house already. But it's only in effect until June of 2016. Then we have to go back to following the building code rules for new construction uh, to add the second unit in. But for now, and you know, for the next year and a half, we have a perfect window of opportunity. So what we're doing is combining this new bylaw with our unique ability to be able to find and obtain these undervalued nice brick bungalows in a, in a really specialized area that we know really well. It's a perfect scenario that we have here. And we have a track record of doing this very successfully with joint venture partners. We obviously can't guarantee future results, but we have seen a deal there where the returns for the investor were infinite, essentially because we put all of the initial investment back into our pockets after the refinance using the buy, fix, refinance, and rent strategy like you're doing in Barry. Yep. Um, so it's kind of a hard thing for me to do to come out and talk about this on the show because we don't normally push our own businesses too hard here, but... You know, I believe that there's a lot of wealth to be created here at this time and this place right right now. And there's really no reason to pass it up with this short window to really take advantage of such a wealth creating opportunity. So I just want to put it out there that if you're interested in hearing more about this, just drop me an email at rob at breakthroughpropertyinvestments.ca. And maybe we can see if we're a good fit and do some deals together. Yeah, and to put that in the perspective, like I, it's such a short window, right? There's only it was it just happened in the fall or spring or summer of last year, so I guess it's two years, right? Yeah, it was two years, and that's not to say you can't create value after it's done, but just it's so easy right now. Oh, it's amazing, and most people don't even know that's available. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm a real realtor in Hamilton. And I, I would highly recommend that you go buy those types of properties in Oshawa because you can't do that in Hamilton. And you can't even legalize a basement suite in Hamilton anywhere. Well, you no, can no matter if you what. can you, no, you can can't. do it pre-95, no? Not in Oshawa. Not in Hamilton. Really? You cannot, you cannot legalize a basement suite in Hamilton. I thought that was an Ontario-wide thing, the pre-95. Uh, Hamilton hates basement suites. They hate them. Okay. You, you, unless you have something where it's already legal – for whatever reason, and I haven't seen pretty much any of those, it's pre- it's just not really doable. And you can put them in, they're just not going to be legal. And that's fine. I mean, a lot of people have them not legal. You know, when they're when they are legal, that adds that lift, right? That that creates such a, a higher demand for that property and gives you a lot more value. Mm-hmm. And that's the amazing thing about Oshawa. It's quite simple to do that right right now, right? For this window. 
It really is. And even everyone is so cooperative now. And the, the guys from the city that come out, it's it's really funny when you get in a conversation with them because one of them, uh, it was the city inspector. He he said to me, you know, it's just not in my nature to be nice to all these people that want to do this kind of stuff because for the last however long I've been coming out and just saying, no, no, take it out. Can't yeah. do it. No basement suites. Yeah. And to have to turn around and, you know, be nice to everybody is a, is a real, I guess, awakening for him. He's not used to it. So <laughs> I just thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. So that being said, Rob, you know, Oshawa is fantastic um, right now to, to get that lift in there. Um, if you're looking for a different type of properties, you know, maybe if you're looking for triplexes, fourplexes, that sort of thing, you know, I, I wouldn't be doing myself or you you as a listener any justice without mentioning how awesome Hamilton is as a city right now. As far as cash flow, as far as, you know, growth coming in the future, there's, there's so much awesome activity going on here. We've got the new GO train opening up uh, this spring. And, you know, the amount of Toronto money coming here is just insane. And the amount of demand for properties here is just going crazy right now. And, you know, if you are interested in, in, in all exploring Hamilton, obviously, I'd, I'd love to help you out at some point in 2015, if you're looking to do that. So I just wanted to mention that. And, uh, you know, since we're pumping ourselves up, Rob, I got to get something in there for myself. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, why don't we keep it going? Why don't we, why don't we talk about your, uh, your award that you're up for? Well, I wouldn't say I'm up for it, but I'm running for an award. Uh, I'm running for newcomer of the year, which is a, uh, is presented by Canadian real estate wealth magazine. And they're going to be, presenting the award March 28th at the Investor Forum. So, you know, I've never been one to try to win any kind of recognition for anything I've done. So it is a little bit strange for me to do this, but I'm putting myself in the running for that award, like I said. The criteria for this award does stretch back quite a ways, so that's why I can fit myself into that category as the newcomer of the year. It goes back to January of 2013. So uh, another call to action here. <laughs> if anyone would consider nominating me, I'll put all of the info and the uh, link to where you can do that in the show notes. And I just want to thank anyone in advance for their consideration. Yeah, I think you're a good candidate for it. I mean, you got a good resume. You do over the last couple of years. And, you know, if nothing else, we've got a pretty awesome podcast, right? So that's got to do it alone. Yeah, yeah, all by itself. I don't know if that counts as real estate investing, but uh, but you know it is something good to have on there, I guess. We've helped over ten thousand people grow their real estate portfolios in the last year. Yeah, I guess so. That's true. That's got to be worth something. Nobody else can say that. Well, maybe someone, but probably not a newcomer. <laughs> well, there you go. And again, like just because I haven't really been too not forthcoming but open i guess with everything i'm not going to sit on the show and and talk about all the things that i believe qualify me to win but i did put up some of the main points on the show notes so that anyone who wants to go ahead and nominate me knows what kind of things that i've accomplished since that date of january 2013 Mm -hmm. you know what even if you're not going to (laughs) nominate you even though they should they might want to go check it out anyways just to see what you've been up to yeah, do that and then help that sway you into nominating me. And we'll throw the link up uh, there too. It's in topinvestor.ca. Well, if you go to topinvestor.ca, you can find out 
where it is to nominate someone, but we'll put up the actual link in the show notes too, right? Yeah. Well, thank you, Sandy. I appreciate this. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's got to go do that. Topinvestor.ca. Okay. So I guess moving on. So here we go. Let's get to this interview with Sean Howe. And in this interview coming up here, we're going to talk to Sean about how to identify a great investment deal. He's going to share some great strategies on that. He's going to talk about what it takes to stick with it and get that first deal done. Uh, the first deal is always the hardest. And uh, he's going to talk about how, how he was able to get that done. And he's going to talk about overcoming major obstacles when starting out as an investor. And I think that's really some important points he's got coming up on that. Yeah, you know what? It was a really fun and uh, informative interview. And here it is, our interview with Sean Howe. Tonight, Sandy and I are pleased to introduce our guest, Sean Howe. Sean is a successful wholesaler in the greater Toronto area. Thank you for being on the show tonight, Sean. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It, it, it's an absolute honor to be on the show. Cool, yeah, I know. We're excited to have you. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, doing great. Feeling the good vibes out there tonight. <laughs> good. Well, I guess uh, the first question... So for those who don't know about it, can you describe what wholesaling is? For sure. So wholesaling, in a nutshell, is a strategy where you market to distressed sellers. Uh, you put the property under contract, and then pretty much basically you're assigning that contract for the property to another investor for an assignment fee. And that is what wholesaling is in a nutshell. So when you say you get the property under contract, what Correct. do you mean there? So when you get a property under contract, the seller is selling you that property and you have to put it under contract legally. So when you're putting it under contract, you're negotiating a price with that seller. And usually with the wholesaler, you're going to get that at a very low, at a very low discounted price because that seller is so motivated to sell their property. So usually you're working off of that motivation. And if that seller is not motivated, it's really a moot point to try to get the property at a great discounted price. Yeah, because they're not going to do it, right? Exactly, exactly. Why would they? So how did you first hear about the concept of wholesaling? It's a funny, it's not a funny story, but um, from a very young age, I always knew that, <clears throat> that I wanted to get into real estate. I always knew that real estate was a good thing. And it was a vehicle that you could use to create wealth or uh, generate mass of or generate a mass of wealth. So I wasn't sure how to get into the game uh, without significant capital. So one day I stumbled across a video online uh, that shared the concept of wholesaling property. So when I saw that concept, I found it extremely fascinating, and I started doing a little bit more research. So that's how I sort of stumbled across you know the concept of wholesaling. Just did a whole bunch of research and said, you know what, just made my mind up that day that this is something I'm going to do to get my foot into the door um, for investing in real estate. There's a bigger goal, but wholesaling is a great starting point for anybody who's trying to get into the game of, of, of real estate. Yeah, that's a good point there, I think, is it being a great starting point because there's so many value adds that you're doing to other investors. You're really building a good network. You're helping other investors build their wealth. You're getting well-known. Like. It's a good way to get started. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I definitely encourage anybody who's um, definitely looking to, who's not sure what kind of niche they want to get into or they're not sure about the real estate game, 
uh, you know, you can start off with wholesaling and that, like to Sandy's point, uh, you really do build your network. You do build a lot of great connections in the industry and uh, that really helps you out in the, in the future for your, your different endeavors. And uh, I guess on that, that point, because most people or a lot of people that start into wholesaling, they hear about it. They maybe try a couple things, you know, spend a, two weeks on it and they don't get very far and they very give cool. up. So Great. what are some, some actions that, that you took to get started and what are some, I guess, what are the important actions that people need to take to get started so they can, actually, sure. so they can actually maintain something and not just give up after a couple of weeks? For sure, absolutely. So when it comes down to, you know, getting started in the real estate game, I can only speak on my experience. So how, or what I did to start, um, I started studying and I watched, you know, a lot of videos on how this concept of wholesaling worked. So I got the concept down packed. And uh, just to make it clear, there's a ton of information out there that's available to anybody who's, you know, interested in, in getting started in the game of wholesaling. Um, the only thing I would say is that You'd have to be careful um, of the content that you take in uh, because what's available in America or a different country might not be available in Canada. So I started, you know, following, but in no particular order when it came to marketing, I studied the different tactics available to locate these distressed slash motivated sellers in Canada. I started marketing using Kijiji. And till this day, I'm still using Kijiji as one of the many forms that I use for advertising. And then when it came down to, you know, real estate agents, I talked to, you know, a number of real estate agents until I found um, one that understood the concept of wholesaling and um, could also help identify the comps in different areas to help me negotiate, um, you know, a great price. What also helped me to get started was other wholesalers. So... I partnered up with other active wholesalers um, where, you know, I learned how to walk through like a property, how to build report with the seller, um, how to identify, you know, a rough number for the repairs, uh, how to go through the process, process of wholesaling um, from the start all the way to the end. I remember, you know, I, I worked with you briefly, Sandy, and we still talk here and there nowadays, and you really mm -hmm. did help me out with the contracts and sort of the terminology. So I really use other wholesalers to help to, you know, pick my brain, pick their brains and sort of download as much information as I can um, from them regarding the wholesaling processes. And um, it, it, it really did help me out through other wholesalers. And that's sort of how I got started in the game. Um, it's really hard to go in it by yourself without having actual help there and the one thing i like about the wholesaling community is um that everybody even though you're you're out there trying to market for distressed um properties you're actually you can actually work with other wholesalers you can team up or you can pick their brains and a lot of people it's all a win-win situation and everybody sort of helps each other out and that's what i really like about the wholesaling community yeah, you know what? Um, going back a little bit, there is so much education and information out there. And just one of the things that I noticed about what you said, the actions that you took to get started, is placing an ad on Kijiji. And and there's many other things that you do too. But like, it, how hard is it to do that? It's not hard at all. But so many people they'll they'll give this a go, and or think that they're going to. Anyways, m most of the actions that they've taken are in their mind because. 
to, to place an ad on Kijiji. And once you get that information, you know what to do with the calls when they come in. Like if you're at that point, how hard is it to place an ad on Kijiji and still some uh, people even quit before they do that? Yeah, you know? right, right. It, it, it's, it takes literally guys, it literally takes minutes, like maybe two, three minutes to set up an ad on Kijiji. I would say that, um, you got to do your, your research on your marketing. How, what are you explaining to your, to your, to your target market? Um, set up a simple, easy message out there. We buy houses. What's your marketing message? You know, what can you do for them? And once you put that out there, you might not get a call on one day. You might not get a call for a whole week, but the point is it takes three minutes and one day someone might be looking through Kijiji and you ask that seller, Hey, how did you find me? Oh, I found your ad on Kijiji. And that gets the ball rolling for a potential deal that can net you anywhere from five hundred to ten thousand dollars. That the three minutes out of your day just to set that potential up is a no brainer for me and it should be a no brainer for anybody out there who's trying who's trying to start in wholesaling. Take advantage of whatever free vehicles you use to get yourself promoted. Hey, so, how many how many realtors sorry? How, this is kind of a different going a different way, but how many realtors did you go through? Um, I cycled through maybe two or three realtors before I actually found one or two that actually understands um, what wholesaling is and use it as their own vehicle and and can also get me comps um, within a day and like recognize that you know getting comps is you got to move fast so they can get me the comps in a day or they can get me the comps the night of so. Um, I cycled through uh, a few, like maybe two, three, three real estate agents, and and uh, found the right the right combination to to help me um, identify if I have a a really good property to work with. Mm -hmm. I, the main reason I was asking that is because um, I know a lot of people. That's one of the first steps, typically, right, is to find a realtor that'll help you out a bit. Correct. Give you some comp comparables, and especially if you're just starting out, you don't really know the area enough to. You probably don't know the area enough to know exactly what each property is worth. Exactly. You need that realtor to give you a hand, and a lot of people will try one realtor, and that realtor will not have a clue what they're talking about, and exactly. and then they'll, exactly. and then they'll say, "Oh, well, I can't do this. I'm yeah. giving up." <laughs> exactly. You no, know? so you really have to. You gotta. It, you might get lucky. You might find the first one to, to be very, very helpful. Yeah. But yeah, it, it might take you like three, like you said. It might take you ten. I don't know, right? So, well, too, the whole when, point is, when they don't understand exactly what you're doing, there's there's a big problem because it, it's important to get them back. It's important to get your comps relatively quickly. And I mean, if you're not there to buy a property from, then there's not many real estate agents that want to sit there. And, and get that information back to you as fast as you need it just because yeah. there's I mean unless they understand unless they're on your team because I mean the realtor that well Michael the realtor that we use a lot of times you know he knows that that there's going to be deals that we do with him he's going to buy deals from us there's going to be deals he can sell his, his uh, like other clients yeah, there's going to be something in it for him too, right? So yeah. you're not just asking for something for nothing. It, it's hard to find that person that gets that. It can be, absolutely. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, it's going to take uh, it's going to take some trial and error with anything. You you definitely don't uh, in life. I mean, if it were all easy, everybody would do it. But um, there, 
it's not the most glorified thing in the world. You got to put in, you got to put in a little bit of work uh, to make it, to make it in this industry. Yeah. Um, can you tell us about your first deal, Sean? Absolutely, absolutely. So I can I can definitely elaborate on on my first deal and uh, how it went down. So um, my first deal, um, no surprise, it came off Kijiji because that's where I started my main advertising, and um, the seller was actually located in Oshawa. And prior to that, uh, I had lost two very hot deals. So I thought um, I had a good idea of what a slam dunk deal would would typically look like. So when the first, um, when I was first contacted by the seller, uh, the motivation was there to sell. But I didn't find after I was pulling, extracting the information out of her uh, regarding, you know, what, how much she had left on her on her mortgage and uh, just running the numbers. I said to myself, you know, it's not that attractive. She was so desperate. She's like, you know what? I really need you to come out and have a look at this property. And so I went out, had a look at it. I took notes and I said, you know what? I'll get back to you shortly. I'm not sure if I'm really interested in the property, but I'll, I'll have a look, run some numbers and I'll get back to you. I got the second opinion of, uh, of a well-known investor and um, he pointed out a few things that I didn't see. So I got back to her shortly and I said, okay, you know what? Here, here's what I'm willing to offer you. And um, she said, you know what? Give me a few days to think this over. So a few days passes by and I get a phone call from her and she's like, okay, you know what? I'm at my wits end here. I accept your offer. So we signed off on the contract and both uh, I partnered up with another wholesaler and I said, okay, you know what? Let's start sending it out to other investors and market it as a great deal. So we put that out there. Other investors started to see, you know, uh, we got a, they got a pretty good deal here. So they started to respond to us. Well, the interested ones, they responded to us and said, okay, you know what? Let's come have a look at the property. We had a, a lot of foot traffic through the door and whoever was interested in making an offer made an offer. And out of the multiple offers that were made, we picked the best one and we split the, uh, like the assignment fee straight down the middle. So it was half and half, 50, 50. And that's how I, uh, I came to my first, uh, wholesaling deal. And that's got a, that kind of motivates you to keep going. And, and that tells you, you know what? It actually works out here. It's a win, win, win across the stage. You're helping out a seller who's in a situation and they, you don't know what they're going through, but they gotta, they gotta get out of that situation. And you're there to help them and be the middleman and bridge that gap so they can, everybody wins. You get an assignment fee, they get out of their situation and the investor picks up a really great property that can profit them within with a quick flip or a buy and hold or whatever it is that, that they choose to do with it. How many deals did you go through before you found that one? Like how many deals did you look at? Yeah. So I went through about, um, I cycled through about three, like three deals before I found that one. Those deals were really tough to swallow, but you got to keep pushing forward. And um, I was motivated to keep going forward because you watch other successful wholesalers and investors such as yourself and Rob. And um, you know it works because you guys were making deals. Other investors were making deals. So I know I knew that they were out there and you got to keep pushing. And um, I definitely cycled through three until the fourth one. That's when... Um, that's when I, I got my first deal and never looked back. 
So I'd be interested to hear, maybe don't, don't go into details on all of them, but pick one yeah. or two or even two of them and, and what was it about them? Why did they fall through? Okay. Um, so one of the, I can, I can point back to another deal that, um, happened last year, which I'd say was one of the most successful ones. Um, I was contacted through my website and it was just a simple message that just read to me, you know, um, here's my contact. Like he gave me his contact information and he said, my property is located in Oshawa, you know, give me a call. So gave him a call. And as a wholesaler, you got to jump on these things ASAP. You don't wait a week. You don't wait five days to contact your, your potential lead because things can die down. Maybe he might be in a situation where he needs to sell fast and he's going to contact uh, another couple of wholesalers. So you act as fast as possible. So I called him up and I said, Hey, um, I'm from express house fires. How can I help you out here? And he said, you know what? I've got a house and I got to get rid of it. I've extracted some questions. Like if there's always, there's a process you extract whatever information you can regarding the property. And he was really easy going. He told me how much he had left on his mortgage it was it was just straightforward. Like you're gonna get your your typical um, seller who's gonna be who doesn't want to give you all that information. But I mean, you're gonna have to learn how to handle objections. So he gave me all that information, and what I ended up doing is I contacted, and this is when I was still fairly new. So I contacted another successful wholesaler and ran the numbers by him, and. Um, He's like, you know what? Let's let's go out and have a look at it. And shortly enough, everything sort of fell through. Um, we put an offering on it, and literally a day later, he got back to us and said, you know what? I accept. And it, it was all it was. That's all you had to write it off. It was perfect. It just worked out so perfect. I, I think I collected um, about five thousand dollars on that uh, assignment deal, and. Um, that was a uh, that was a great day. That was a very good day. Yeah, I can tell you um, why some of them didn't work out. Yeah. So uh, with one of like say let's say one of the the deals that I had, it was out. I can't remember. I can't remember the town it was in. But what ended up happening is we I, I went out there, went out there, and we saw the house. It was in complete bad condition, um, which is fine uh, to an investor because they have that vision where they can take something that is in a complete mess and turn it into a complete profit. So we saw the house, put an offer in. He was very happy with the offer. And he said, okay, you know what? Uh, give me give me a day and I'll get back to you to see if I accept it or not. So a day, two days passes by, a follow-up with him. And I said, you know what? Uh, you like the deal. Um, how come you're not signing off on it? And he's like, yeah, you know, you know, it's going to be a messy tax situation or he was he was just making he was going around in circles. So I kept on following up with him for about a week or so. And he just decided, OK, you know what, um, I'm just going to hold on to these properties and I'm not going to sell. Mm -hmm. And I said, OK, no problem. Um, if you ever do decide to change your mind, you have my number. Give me a call. Uh, another specific deal that didn't actually do. I was out, actually out in Brampton, and one thing that I think a lot of wholesalers are going to find that uh, with divorce situations, 
you're going to need both parties to sign off on a contract. It can't just be one. If yeah. both names are on the on the title, um, you're going to run into this situation somewhere down the line where you're going to need both parties to sign off on the contract. So if one spouse is saying, okay, you know what, let's sell this property, the other one is going to have to agree on the selling price. So that's where I ran into my first big, big issue where I had one party who's very motivated to sell and she was willing to give it away and she, she didn't want any profit from it. She just wanted to sell because she saw the issues and that it was creating. And on the other half, her husband, he wanted to make some money uh, out of pure greed. So he didn't sign off on the contract. So they ended up keeping the property and uh, both getting dragged down um, as a as a result of his greed. Mm. Yeah, divorced people don't like to agree on much, do they? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter <laughs> what it is, they don't agree. On. Uh, but I've there's... had several go down just like that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's uh, it's really important to make sure that um, when you're when you're dealing with um, you know a married couple that you try to do your work up front to make sure that. They both agree on the price and they both sign off on it. If it's just one party who's talking to you, really important to find out who's on the title in the beginning. Don't get, I would say, don't get too excited about, you know, the prospect of a house being completely free and clear. It, obviously, that's a part of the formula, but you want to make sure that both parties, if they're on that title, that they're both working together with you to work out a price. Yeah, because sometimes you're talking to the owner's son or daughter. Make sure that you're dealing with the person with the decision-making power, right? Exactly. Exactly. Sometimes, so, it, sometimes it's that too. It's a son, a son or daughter, and the mom on title, or grandma, or you know, there's there can be a lot of different situations where there's two, three, four <laughs> people on title. You know, family members or partners or whatever, right? Exactly. Everyone's got to agree. Exactly. Like I was saying, that's going to be everyone. If you're in wholesaling, you're going to come across that point where you're going to find that there's multiple people on that title and um, you have to sort of use your uh, your conflict resolution abilities to get them all to agree to one price. And once that's done, you get that contract in their hands and you make sure they sign it as soon as possible. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of the major obstacles that you had to overcome in the beginning? Um, I would say uh, one of the major obstacles was the actual process of putting a deal together from start to finish. Knowing and doing are completely two different things, um, which is why I usually strongly believe making sure you have someone um, who's experienced and can guide you from start to finish or actually partnering up with another experienced wholesaler who can help you through uh, your first couple of deals and you can get that um, experience on your belt where you can go out and complete a deal on your own or you can partner up with another wholesaler to increase your exposure to other investors so that you can close the deal and everybody wins. So that was my, my major obstacle, just putting a, you know, a deal together from start to finish because, you know, I, I read about it i saw it on on the videos this is how you put the deal together but there's nothing like actually doing it yourself like you're actually going out there and getting the deal done like actually physically going to the house and 
knowing what to look for, knowing what notes to take from the beginning all the way to the end, just knowing how to do something. And that's very intimidating. The first time, the yeah. first few times you go out to a house to look at it and try to evaluate it, that's very intimidating. You know, I remember what one of the, I think it was actually the very first one that I went to. I just walked around the whole house and I pointed out every single little thing that I could see that was wrong with it because I wanted to make sure that he understood I wasn't going to give him a high price. But at the same time, nobody wants you to come in and criticize their home. Yeah. Right, That's right. Looking for. <laughs> that guy hated you, eh? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he no, he wasn't very impressed. <laughs> and the other tough thing is 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 throwing out that number. At at some point, you got to put out a number, right? Whether they've said the first number or you're having to do it, you're gonna probably say a number. Then you got to say it in front of the owner. It can make you a little sick to your stomach sometimes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because it's not gonna be a high number. <laughs> Exactly, and um, I, and that's a great point, Sandy. Because uh, I, I've had a few instances, you know, where my first, my actual first deal, um, when I arrived at the the number that I was going to present to her, I I said in my mind, you know, there's no way she's going to accept this. There's no, there's absolutely no way. But you have to say it with confidence, and you have to have your reasoning as to why you're making that offer to them. And when I actually made that offer to her. Yes, some of them, you're going to get that. You're going to get offended sometimes. Sometimes they're going to say, you know what? I completely understand that number. It's just a, a fact that it's just something you're going to have to deal with as a wholesaler. So you present that number to them. And, and if they like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. But at the end of the day, that's why they have to be motivated to sell. So that's, that's going to be a, a, a definite big obstacle a wholesaler would deal with on a, regular basis but you learn how to deal with it you learn how to deal with objections and that's all a part of the business cool how do you identify a deal do you have a formula that you use when you're walking through that helps you arrive at your offer price so how i usually identify a deal is i look for a few small things not to get into too much greater detail but the first thing i'm looking for is motivation um, usually the first thing that I ask when a potential lead calls me is, okay, why is it that you're looking to sell right now? If they're saying, oh, you know, I just want to test out the market right now, that person is not motivated, move on. It, also, what I'm looking for is there has to be, you know, a sufficient amount of equity in the house to work with. You have to consider, you know, your investors, because usually what you end up doing is, you have investors from the get-go and you know what it is that they're looking for. Usually, once you start reading up on a lot of material, you'll find that a lot of them recommend that you find your investors first before you find your deals. So when you're finding, when you get a, a, a lead that comes in, you want to make sure that you're considering closing costs. You want to make sure you're considering the repair costs. If any, you want to, you want to, you want to consider if they're going to do a buy and hold or if they're going to try and flip it. You want to consider the realtor's fees that's going to be involved. So you want to make sure that there's enough equity to sort of work with in the house to make sure that there's enough space to factor in your assignment fee as well and all those other factors that uh, an investor would be looking for. So uh, those are some of the small things that I look for when trying to evaluate 
if I have a potential deal on my hand. I don't go into anything much further there. Yeah, that's good advice. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure there's lots of info out there, but, you know, a lot of people don't know. what What is it, like, that the other investors are looking for? And so that's why everyone says, you know, find your investors first, because if you know what they're looking for, you know what it is that you're looking for. Exactly. Exactly. You want to make sure that um, whichever investor that once a, a deal comes in, you'll know right off the bat, okay, you know, this would be perfect for investor A, B, and C, because this is exactly what they're looking for. Let me give them a call and just put it out there to them and see if they're going to come have a look at the property and put in an offer. It's, it's really important to know your investors, really important to um, network with a lot of investors in the beginning. It's important to join your local uh, real estate investment group and network with a lot of investors you will find an abundance of investors there and you know have your business cards and you know don't be afraid to just reach out and let them know exactly what it is you're doing and ask them you know what is it that you're looking for what's your budget and how many properties do you close on in a month in a year um so a lot of important questions to ask your investors because it's it's easy to walk walk up to a person and just say hey what a, you're an investor. Great. Can I get your contact information? You don't know anything about what it is that he does. It's really important to ask the right questions in this business. It's, it's what's going to separate. It's going to, it's going to be, it's, it's what's going to separate, you know, the elite from the, the amateurs. Get really good at asking the right questions. And so how do you find your, your uh, buyers, your investors? Uh, you know, you mentioned the real estate clubs. That's definitely a great place. Uh, right. Is there any other places you've used or any other strategies you have for that? Yeah, for sure. Um, once you start putting yourself out there, you start marketing on Kijiji. If you choose to put up, um, you know, bandit signs, if you choose to uh, to have a website, investors will find you. I've had investors contact me and say, hey, are you a wholesaler? Yes, I am. Okay, put me on your mailing list. Whenever you find a great deal, here's what I'm looking for. Here's the budget that I have. When you find that, make sure you notify me. Mm -hmm. um, so if you put yourself out there, investors, serious investors will find you. You'll add them to your contact list. And whenever you come across a great deal, um, you shoot an email out to them or you give them a call. And they'll be more than happy to take a look at it because they've already specified what, what they're looking for. Um, so that's another route that I've taken to find investors and also to going out and just making myself known at the investors club, different local investors club mm -hmm. clubs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many investors do you think you need to do a deal? Um, that's a great question, Sandy. Like, do you um, need do, do you need to do you need to find ten before you go out looking? Do you need to find a hundred? How how many is a good number? Do you think? You know what I would say. You know, in my own personal experience, you can have. It all depends on or how much properties you're, you're dealing with on a regular basis. But when it comes down to it, I'd say a great number to have is maybe three, maybe four um, really experienced investors in the game mm -hmm. um, that are pretty much ready to go at any, at any beck and call. You want to make sure you want to find out if they are cash buyers or if they're going to be securing a conventional loan. 
usually with cash buyers, you're going to want to have maybe one or two good cash buyers or maybe, and maybe one or two investors who can close out with a conventional mortgage. But usually the best route to go is the cash buyers because they are the ones who can move the quickest. And if you need to close within two weeks, if the situation calls, they can get that done because they already have the cash ready on hand to come in and make it happen. So I would definitely say um, you want to have some cash buyers in your portfolio. You can close out on a deal in as little as maybe two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. All depends. Yeah. Uh, I think the important thing to know there too is cash buyers. A lot of people have this image of a cash buyer who's going to buy this $300,000 property is some big guy from the, big city with a big suit and all this and it's it's not always the case like yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean a cash buyer can just be someone who has you know 400 grand in equity in their property and they're and they have a you know a home equity line of credit and they're going to buy a flip on that pay nothing for a couple months before they flip it you know it's there's just a little bit of interest there it's not it's not necessarily mean they have that much cash just sitting in their bank account yeah so there's a whole different a lot of different types of cash buyers Sometimes it is someone that has you know five million sitting in their bank account that they want to use. Who knows? You just got to be open to to that. I mean, there's so many different types of people. You never really know who they are. Exactly, exactly. It, it really comes down. You wanna you wanna just go out there and just make yourself known. Uh, introduce yourself to a lot of investors um, at your local real estate meetings. If it comes down to it, I mean, you can, you're, you're, once you're in the game, you're gonna, you're gonna wanna know who are the big players. You're, you're gonna wanna know who are the heavy hitters. And those are gonna be the ones that are gonna come to your deals and close out if the numbers are working in their favor. Mm-hmm. That's the good thing too, is you only, you really only, three or four is great. And like, you don't need many, right? You need exactly. three, four. You, really, at the end of the day, you need one. But it, yeah. it's, it's, it's definitely good to have a few just to, well, so they can maybe fight over the property or <laughs> or just so you have people wanting a couple different types of properties maybe, right? Exactly. But you don't need this massive list of like, you know, 300 buyers. Yeah, that's not necessary because 90% of the time you're going you're gonna to have your like maybe two or three of your go-to um, investors that you know who can close out on the deal for you. And um, and you know that they're reliable. You don't want a an investor who is flaky, who doesn't say what they're gonna do. That really eliminates your eliminates you going to them to close out on a deal because you are on a contract with this potential seller, and you're on the hook if things don't go through as smoothly. So obviously there are clauses where you can get out, but you want to make sure that um, you have a reliable group of investors, two, three, four, maybe it's just one, um, but you want to make sure that they're reliable and they say what they're going to do and they they do it. Yeah. Yeah. When you've done deals with these people too, they're ready to jump on something that they bring you because they trust you, not to say that they're going to buy something that doesn't, doesn't make any sense, but you, you know they're not wishy-washy and they know you're not bringing them junk, so it works out much better. Exactly. Exactly. And um, I would say, you know, to other uh, wholesalers in the who want to get into the game, um, you're not going to find your deals on the MLS. You're going to find maybe a few things here and there, but your real 
golden nuggets are going to be the ones that are private deals um, that people are just looking to dump and they're motivated. Uh, I've, I've had a lot of other wholesalers come to me and they're like, okay, well, you know what? Uh, could you help me out here? And they're just bombarding me with deals that are off the MLS. And I'm trying to explain to them, like, look, guys, the deals that you're sending to me, these are on the MLS. These are what you would consider, you know, slam dunk deals for wholesaling. Don't get me wrong. There, there are some people who can wholesale some deals off the MLS, but 90% of the time your deals are going to be found um, privately. I don't know if you guys have experienced that as well, if you found most of your deals privately and they have been the most slam dunk deals for you. Oh, yeah. Well, see, I don't, I don't consider that wholesaling because if somebody's just – I understand that they've got a little bit of value. If you're a busy guy, like if you're a busy guy that wants to invest in real estate and you have this guy that's scouring the MLS every day for you and when something great comes along, he's on top of it and letting you know about it right away. Well, there's value in that, sure, but I'm Sounds that, like a real, Sounds like the job of a realtor. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and if you've got a good realtor and you and you've t- already told them your criteria, then they're sending you those properties. They're in your inbox before that guy calls you anyway. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> I don't well, know. If I you don't can, consider if you... that wholesaling. You got to go out and get a property under contract before you can consider it wholesaling. That's my opinion. If you can find something on MLS that's that's listed for like say five hundred, and you're bringing it. A contract to your buyer with the signed deal on that property for like four hundred, then that might make sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's you could look for that for the next three months here in the Greater Toronto area at least, and you probably wouldn't find any. Yeah, (laughs) might find one. I don't. You probably wouldn't. Like, it's pretty hard to do that. I find I find that once realtors are involved in the transaction, it becomes very messy. I've had situations where at first it was a private deal and then the numbers didn't work out uh, in terms of the seller. He wanted more and I walked away. And then a few months later, he calls me back and he says, okay, you know what? I need to dump this house. What ended up happening is we tried to negotiate a brand new price and it still didn't end up working out. So he went and he got himself a realtor then he found out quickly that the price that he was asking for just it, it didn't match up to what the market was demanding. Mm-hmm. So he got back to me and he's like, okay, you know what? I need to sell. I'm ready to do uh, a deal on this. Here's the price. We worked it out. But at the end of the day, a realtor, he had signed the realtor for, I guess, on a three-month contract. Mm-hmm. And that just messed everything up because he was the – the actual realtor, he was looking to collect his dues, which he's entitled to because he's got the listing and he signed him to a contract. And yeah, it was just a, a really messy situation because he's looking to collect his realtor fees. And on top of that, the seller was greedy. He didn't want to give up too much money. So it, I find that with a realtor, it becomes really, really messy. And on top of that, they're in your seller's ear Every second, oh hey, you know what? You should ask your investor for a five thousand dollar non-refundable check or something like that. So it's, yeah. it's it's really messy. I would I would advise against doing any deals if a realtor is involved, unless there's a ton of equity to work with, and your seller is okay with paying the 
realtor their commissions. Mm-hmm. Is there a real estate or a business book that you would recommend? Um, a real estate or a business book? I would say more of a um, more of a business book, and I would say you know Sam Walton's Made in America. Mm-hmm. So he was the founder of Walmart, and um, it's a very good book. He wrote it on his deathbed, and he has a lot of key strategies in there um, that made him immensely wealthy, and anybody can sort of implement that into their daily life or daily business. And I would definitely recommend um, anybody who's interested in, you know, switching it up or, or learning some of the key basics of, you know, amassing any type of wealth to, to take a look at that book. Okay, thanks for the recommendation. You can get a great audio book, just like the one mentioned here, when you go to breakthroughreipodcast.ca slash audible free trial. Okay. You know what, the great, I was going to say the great thing about, I like that you mentioned a business book because that's where you got to look at wholesaling as as a business right it's not just like a it can be like a little hobby or something but you're not going to really get anything out of it unless you operate like a business you know have some systems have well systems is really the main thing in place so you know what to do when that call comes in you know what to do when you're going to look at a property and going through it and the more you can systematize it the more the more efficient you're going to be and the more successful you're going to be because of that and the exactly. funny thing that goes directly against what you just said, Sandy, is that it's so much fun. It's hard <laughs> to think of it as a business because well, yeah, true. It's it's such a blast. It's really my favorite <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I would I would definitely say business, um, what's, business can be fun though. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. think of it as a business, but yeah. I mean, it's hard to think of it that way when you're when you don't feel like you're working. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. And um, I definitely, definitely would say, you know, for any upcoming investors or wholesalers in the game, um, I would definitely say, you know, be patient, stay focused, keep learning and keep experimenting. And marketing is basically your lifeline in this business. Never stop marketing. And um, and the moment you stop is the moment your, your business is going to die. So that would be something I would definitely want to uh Put that out there for any wholesalers looking to get their foot in the game. What is your favorite way to mar- market? Is it Kijiji or like what, what's been your most successful way? I know there's um, so many ways to market for wholesale. Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, I would say Kijiji is my is my favorite because right now it's the it's the easiest and it's free yeah. and it only literally takes three minutes to set up. Kijiji has a really great reach within different local markets. So say, for instance, I'm interested in targeting Oshawa or the Peel region, or I'm interested in targeting Toronto, I can hit all those markets within a matter of minutes. And the exposure is great. Uh, I've been, I use a bunch of different marketing tactics, but um, by far my favorite would be Kijiji. When someone calls me, I always try to make a point to find out how it is that they located me. I'd say 70% of the time, they say they found me off of Kijiji. Yeah, that beats driving out to whatever market with a car full of signs and trying to jam them into the ground in the freezing cold. (laughs) It's effective, but it's not very much fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, with banded signs, and, and like I was saying earlier, 
it's all about um, experimenting. If you guys agree with me, there's so many different marketing tactics out there. You don't know which one is going to work best for you until you know you go out there and try it yourself. There's so many people like you go, you can read about it, like oh, you know, direct mail is the most effective. No, bandit signs is the most effective. No, Kijiji is the most effective. It's all about having a great marketing mix out there, and whichever one's your bread and butter, you can dump the money in there and it's all of just experiment try try different things just get out there and market if you stop marketing you die and just for everyone out there listening i just want to say that it was it was eight months i did eight months of marketing and and going to look at houses before i did my first deal eight months you know so it'd be pretty easy to give up anywhere in there you surprised you didn't, to be honest. I'm <laughs> surprised most people don't. That's what it takes. That's why most people do, though. That's the thing. Most people give up. Yeah. But I mean, just... that's a, that's learning, right? That it yeah. takes a while to understand what you're doing. You're not gonna. You can't. You can't ride a bike the first time you get on. So. Well, that's the thing about this business too. Is a lot of the people who um, push their programs and stuff on it, they they advertise it as as quick money, right? And people that's that's what people get sold on. Yeah. yeah, and so that's what they want out of it. When they first glimpse of not getting that, okay, on to the next quick money scheme out there, right? Yeah, and then at the same time too, once you get into it and you've got all your systems set up and you've got it, it everything in place, it really does seem like easy money sometimes, especially like the one you were talking about, Sean, sure. where everything just falls together. Those yeah. those seem to start happening once you've got everything going, but you've put the work in to get to there. And that's yeah. another thing people don't understand is. Well, how come you're like it? I mean, I don't get this objection too much, but there are some buyers out there that just don't understand the fee that you're getting. Yeah, and you know what you did? How you worked for two hours? How how does that justify making this kind of money? (laughs) Well, I didn't work for two hours. I actually worked for the last two years to get this deal. Yeah, (laughs) that's the thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You hit it right on the nail, uh, Rob. And and that's the thing too is that w- once you've done it with one person, you mentioned earlier, I think Rob or, or both of you maybe mentioned it. Once you do a deal with somebody, the ease in doing the second deal with with that person is like crazy. Like you, it can take less than two hours because you don't have to sell them on it. They trust you, right? Exactly, exactly. You just give them the 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 numbers on the on the property. You tell them where it's located. You give them everything they need. Maybe they need some images, a few images, and uh, eventually they're going to come out, have a look at it. Some investors you might have built such a great uh, relationship with, um, they might not even need to see the place. But I haven't experienced that yet. Every investor that I've dealt with, they've come out to see the property. They they said exactly what they're going to do. They said, okay, you know what, Sean, I like the property. I'll get back to you in a day with my number they've done that and it's a it's a it's a you're building a rapport a relationship with your investors and um that's that's really key here you don't want it to be uh uh you know just a high and buy situation you know you're you're going to be working with these people in the future and down the line and you want to make sure not more importantly that if they're doing what they're going to say you're doing what you're going to say you don't want to be flaking on them as well to say okay you know well here's the price and you're going to give them some ridiculous $30,000 assignment fee if it doesn't justify it. Um, you want to make sure 
your care across the board. You don't want to rip off your investors, and you definitely don't want your investors ripping you off. It's not pretty. Mm-hmm. I've never experienced that. So. Is there a quote or a piece of info or advice that's always stuck with you, and how has it helped you? For sure. There's one quote that has stuck by me, and it is, you have to deserve what you want. The world isn't a crazy enough place to reward a bunch of undeserving people. So it's it's sort of just like, if you want to get what you want out of life, you're going to have to deserve it. The world isn't just going to hand things over to you. So it's really important that if you want to be a successful investor, whatever your goal is, you need to deserve it. You need to go out there and you need to make it happen. Brick by brick, stone by stone, just make it happen. you got to deserve it. If you want to be a millionaire, you need to deserve it. That's awesome because you know what? Once, you, once you've once you deserved it, it kind of yep. starts to just come to you. you know? Exactly. Exactly. You Those, don't the money kind of just falls out of the air sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, uh, you, you can't just – I find it funny because it's sort of like – I'll give you an example. Um, uh, I mean I've had a, a friend. I've, I've worked out like in, in terms of weight. And I've, uh, at one point I used to be a little bit muscular. Um, and I've had guys come up to me and say, Oh my gosh, like, I want to be as muscular as you. Okay. Uh, you got to go out there and work for it. It's just not gonna, yeah. you're just not gonna get muscular. You got to go out there and you got to bang the iron together and you got to, you got to work on it. So, um, I would encourage anybody if you are looking to take the step in wholesaling, make sure you deserve what you're, what you're getting. If you do nothing, if you do no marketing, if you do no research, if you do no, no networking, you don't deserve. You're going to make hobby money off of it, maybe nothing. So you got to treat it as a business. You've got to treat it seriously. you got to invest in yourself and uh, invest in your marketing tools. That's mm-hmm. a really good point. I think I'm going to use that because it is almost like reading a, a weightlifting magazine while you're laying on the couch and expecting yeah. the next yeah. day to, to be in shape. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's one of the one of the things that have stuck by me. It's sort of just, you know, you have bigger goals. So many people just sit on a couch and say, I want that. Well, no, you want it, but you don't deserve it. So go out there and deserve it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so where can people learn more about you, Sean? For sure. So if you're interested in um, doing a deal with me, check out my website, uh, expresshousebuyers.ca or you can email me at info at expresshousebuyers.ca you can my number all my contact information is on there so feel free to give me a call and um, we can do some potential deals in the future cool yeah this has been a really helpful interview i think for anybody that's listening really the the key is just get out there and do it and don't give up and it will like you will get a deal i don't care who you are if you stick with it as long as you're following the right steps if you stick with it you will do one and that's all there is to it so there that's my that's my (laughs) that's my little thing at the end absolutely absolutely no i definitely appreciate you guys uh having me on the show today it was an absolute blast i always love talking real estate any time of the day any time of the night it's an actual blast, and I love that you guys are doing this show to, you know, help out other 
you know, investors who are interested in getting into the game. And it sort of builds their confidence to know, you know, there is actual help out there. And uh, if you're willing to put the work in and willing to, you know, make yourself available and put your neck out on the line, there are people out there that will help you. I can attest, you know, I've had so much help from the community of wholesaling. If it wasn't, for, you know, uh, the help of Sandy, the help of you, um, the help of, uh, you know, Aaron Moore and all those other people, I, I wouldn't be where I, where I am today. And I can definitely say, you know, get out there and get it done, guys. Nice. Nice finish. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you again for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Have yourself a good night. You too, guys. Thanks, Sean. Thanks. <clears throat> I got started in the game. I got started in the game. Yeah. I got started in the game. Yeah. I got started in the I got started in the I got started in the game. Yeah. Exactly.